everybody. It is John Pollock and WH Park. It is the, what month are we into now? September edition of Post ProRes. WH, how are you? I'm okay, John. I, I might have a bit of a, a frog in my throat. So if I uh, mute myself to uh, kind of clear it, I apologize to to you and the listeners. But overall, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, I have to get this out of the way because I forget to do it every show. And that is if you if you need a cool T-shirt to wear, go get the Post Perez T-shirt over at the Post Wrestling store. There you go. Store.postwrestling.com. You can get your own two versions of the Post ProRes T-shirt. And these are these are some kick-ass designs. I, I know we're somewhat biased, but these are great designs. It's it's all Robert Pearson, but you know, you gotta I gotta say like props to uh, John Cena for wearing for wearing his on uh, I think one of the watch-alongs, maybe for SummerSlam or something like that over the past couple of weeks or so. A great representative, uh, John Cena, uh, host of Shot in the Dark on the Up Next Patreon feed. So uh, that's thank right, you to John. a show I've uh, a show I've invaded. Wh always finds his way. I mean, he is uh, he is the political navigator of all shows. I am I am John Cena's retribution. He's gonna pop when he hears this. By the way, he's gonna be like messaging me like, "Oh my god, you said my name." Yeah, okay, there you go, John. Is he in the private group? He's not in the private group. Ooh, it's a pri- it's an exclusive group. Don't feel uh, slighted, John. I'm not in any of these private groups either. So uh, it, it's, it's you know exclusive. What? It's I, exclusive. I created it, but Brandon from New Jersey like will veto certain names. I was like, "Hey, how about this person?" No. Okay, I'm not saying John Cena was vetoed by Brandon from New Jersey, but I'm just saying it's usually not me who vetoes people's entry into the group. It's it's usually Brandon. I'm just gonna put all the heat on him. Man, guys, a uh, guy uh, judges with a swift uh, swift shot of his, his chonglas. That guy and his chonglas, like I I had an argument with him about is chonglas like a Spanish thing, a Puerto Rican thing, or a Mexican thing as well. And he was like, we were just debating back and forth. We were trying to get like Scrump to come in because Scrump's Mexican-American. And like, he, I think he wisely just kept out of it. But we, we came to the, to the conclusion that chunkles are used by both the you know people in the Puerto Rican culture and in the Mexican culture. Okay, well, there, it's settled. Uh, while, while we are uh, promoting uh, certain things going on with the site, I will, we're going to get into our preview of the G1, but... When it's G1 season, that means that we also have our G1 contest that is now live. Everyone can now go ahead and make their picks, postwrestling.com slash G1. You can go to the website. There's a button right there uh, that will take you to where you can insert all of your picks. The deadline is this Friday night at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. So right before, on the eve of the first card from the G1 that's coming up this Saturday, postwrestling.com slash G1, free to enter, and let's see how wise you are. Who is going to be able to properly predict the trajectory of Yujiro? And if you listen to this podcast, WH, maybe he's going to be the GPS that can help you navigate through this year's G1 tournament. Uh, hopefully. I, I already did my pickums in that contest, John, so... Very simple. Uh, whoever put that together, it's much simpler than last year's, and it looks great. It took me like I don't know four minutes. I didn't give it much thought. It's like this guy's gonna win. This guy, I hate this guy. He's not winning anything. So, so Yujiro, then I, I'm sure doing very well on your on your picks. How many points? How many points is this guy reflect- gonna have at the end? 
maybe four, three, four, maybe one draw. Look at the names. He's going to have to spoil someone's victory near the end. Maybe multiples that this guy is going to play a part in. Why is he in the fucking A? He's in the A block. Why? Why is he there? That is the <laughs> biggest no, mystery of this entire. As uh, as as I quoted already this week, Benno with the best line: "Did they book the wrong Takahashi?" Yes, exactly. I well, mean, you 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 can you can just put fucking yo you know yeah show Tanaka in there or or Hiromu Takahashi. I I don't know. Anyways, well, let's take a look at the G one. So the A block. It's all built around Yujiro, but his supporting cast includes Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, Taichi, Tomohiro Ishii, Minoru Suzuki, Jay White, Shingo Takagi, Kazuchika Okada, and Kota Ibushi. Over on the B block, it is Tetsuya Naito, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Zack Sabre Jr., Evil, Kenta, Hiroki Goto, Sonata, Toriyano, Juice Robinson, and Yoshihashi. And unlike previous years... We are not going to get a, a slew of undercard tags. It's the A-block performers stay on the A-block shows. Uh, however, the the young lions that they're using, they're going to be using three young lions that will comprise all of the undercard matches. That being one undercard match, we'll get each day with Yotasuji, Yuya Yuimura, and Gabriel Kidd. So I like these. These are very easy, compact shows of six matches per day. I think the Young Lions, it's like a nice little, um, just something to whet your appetite at the start of each card that are always, you know, fun matches. Maybe some people are going to be getting uh, a, a little kind of uh, tired of the same three guys by night number 18, but uh, some solid cards, especially when you look at this A block that you uh, draw aside, it's a pretty stacked one. Oh yeah, I think it, it kind of, blows b block out of the water for me i i mean i like b block like it's got shingo it's got tanahashi um you know juice is back naito's in there sonata and and you know like pretty much everyone except you know yano's the, the night off guy in there and then you got you know evil you know shit you know Sh- shingo's shingo is a block shingo's a block okay i screwed that up but so yeah my my notes are a little wonky here but yeah so then it b blocks even shit now, more shit now compared to a block. <laughs> so, but I, I like the idea, like you said, of the young lions, John, but like, if you look at their schedule, they're wrestling every show. Yep. And there are shows where like they're moving from cities and then they're going back the other direction in Japan. And these guys probably aren't going to be on the bus. They're probably going to be, or they're gonna, either going to be on the crew bus and traveling with them, or they're going to be actually taking like the bullet train to some of these cities, but they have to go to every show. And I, th- I think they're kind of kind of be the like the workhorse MVPs of this entire tour. Yeah, it, and to me, like I thought the whole point of it was that the reason we're not doing these tags is to mix people in the locker rooms. But these two are or these three are going to be going back and forth between all of the shows. So I'm I, I was expecting that maybe you'd have like three or four young lions dedicated to the A block shows, and then two or three on the B block side, but it's, it's a cycle of three that, yeah, as you said, will be on every show. They'll get the occasional day off to where they cycle in and out, but they're going to be working most of these shows. And by the end of this, yeah, you're going to see a lot of these three. Well, besides the matches, John, they got to do their regular young lion duties, like of being ring attendants. Of they, course. They got to help set up and tear down the rings. <laughs> so I, uh, I hope they get a nice little bonus at the end of this month. 
So I guess the interesting news earlier this week was that a number of the foreign talent ended up getting in. And that included Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, Jay White, Kenta, and Juice Robinson. So I think, you know, there's no debate that that certainly bolsters uh, the the rosters for the G1. Uh, were you surprised at all that they were able to pull this off in the end? Because uh, we're going to look at some other tournaments where, you know, foreigners, it's it's not just a matter of snapping your fingers and being able to get foreign talent into the country. Well, apparently the whole, um, you know, lessening of travel restrictions was in the works for kind of what we call essential workers in Japan. So a lot of companies have been lobbying the Japanese government to like, like we need to bring these workers from other countries who have work permits or and might have been working here um, before the, the pandemic started, but they've been locked out because of travel restrictions. And that includes like, um, I think the Japanese Basketball League uh, had players come in. But only the players that had worked in Japan before, none of the newly contracted players, from right. what I understand, were allowed in. So I think, you know, you Japan kind of were able to bring the, the the foreigners in on this policy. But I think with the caveat that either they're only going to work this tour or they're just going to stay in Japan. And they're probably got like their own like, you know, temporary apartments if they didn't have apartments for like, like obviously Sabre has his apartment. Um, I, I believe like Juice has one. And Will Ospreay with B. Priestley has one. So they're just probably moving back into those. But everyone else can get like temporary, you know, apartments rather than staying in hotels because that would be more, you know, cost, uh, you know, that, that'd be more cost effective. But I think that's the whole idea. Like, I would be surprised if after the G1 that these guys are going to go back to America and then try to be flown back in. If I'm New Japan, I don't risk that. I just tell them, you want to come in, you have to stay until after, you know, Wrestle Kingdom at the very at earliest. Which I would imagine the most difficult for that scenario would be Kenta. I mean, he's got his family back here. He might have brought them over. I mean, who knows? Like, I mean, they're all Japanese citizens, so they can easily just come in without, you know, with just self-quarantining themselves. Um, if I, I don't know, like, no offense, but if I'm Kenta and I have a choice to bring my family back to Japan with me or keep them in, in Florida, I, you know, that, that's an easy choice. Come back to Japan. Well, that's, I mean, that's, it's one option. I guess it depends on, you know, his kids, are they, are they in school? Was he willing to uproot them and come to Japan? Certainly th these events over the past couple of months, you may be reconsidering, you know, whether you want to stay in the U.S. or go back to Japan uh, at this point. And if that was an option for him that, hey, I have to come and I have to stay there, uh, maybe he's making that decision. But yeah, it will be noteworthy to see who is uh, still around after this uh G1, which, as we mentioned, it kicks off this weekend with shows in Osaka on Saturday and Sunday, and will run all the way through October 18th with the final three nights at Sumo Hall. Looking at this loaded A block, I mean, you're going to get some incredible combinations. Um, why don't we handicap the A block first, and where are you leaning towards here are you going with you know the the big two in okada and abushi to be the favorites and can you see anyone else emerging as a, a potential contender to at least win the a block if not win it win it outright uh so yeah ibushi is kind of my favorite to win everything and go into Russell kingdom again and challenge naida who i assume will be the champion um so he's my overall winner but like the you know okada you can't discount okada because he he hasn't you know, he hasn't been the champion for a year. I, you know, I don't see him not being the champion 
for very much longer. If not, after, you know, at Wrestle Kingdom, getting the title back there, then maybe quickly after into 2021. Um, but you can't discount Jay White. Like, I, I think there's a lot of things that, that would have been done with Jay White this year if, if it weren't for the pandemic, pandemic, uh, pandemic, and then he was stuck in the United States. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with my overall favorite is Kota Ibushi. I just think that story from, you know, winning last year and then failing at Wrestle Kingdom, like that seems to be the redemption story that he would have going for him that you could certainly see them riding through to next year um, as we try and guess what Wrestle Kingdom will look like in January. I I do think like since he's now a contracted wrestler with New Japan that they do have to pull the trigger with him and get him into that, you know, rarefied club of being – you know, an IWGP champion. Like, I mean, if you're going to put evil in there, you, you, you should put Ibushi in there as well. Maybe that'll be one of his new finishers. He introduces at the G1. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. There you go. Uh, on the, a, a, any particular pairings that you really are excited for in this, this a block. And, and what do you think about uh, Minoru Suzuki being back this year? What he adds, because he's, he's quietly had quite a year during this uh, empty arena phase, or at least limited fans era. I think his style for, you know, like these kind of limited fans being allowed to attend and even the empty arena shows, like his style lends itself to, you know, being, having a compelling match. So I, I think it's great that he's back in. I think he's worked really hard during this, this time. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to see how he does. I don't think he's going to point very high. Um, I think it's going to be, these matches are going to be mainly to, find potential challengers for his never title. And I think you're going to get some really great bangers out of that. Um, yeah. I mean like anything with Ishii and a combination of Takagi versus any of these guys, including Yujiro. Like if anyone's going to drag a good match out of Yujiro, it's, it's going to be Ishii or, or Shingo Takagi and maybe Will Ospreay as well. Um, but yeah, I think Kota Ibushi versus, um, Kota Ibushi versus uh, Shingo Takagi is probably my, uh, most anticipated match of the A block. You being uh, someone that is on top of the discussions online and out there, uh, what what have you seen as the the reaction with Will Osprey being being back? And do you think that it's going to be um, people are going to be vocal in terms of his uh, over the next month uh, of his involvement here, or do you feel that there's many that are not um, lo- looking at the, the, the story that came out with him back in, in June and applying it to, you know, the guy being back in, in the G1. Is it an issue for you at all? Um, it is to, to an extent. Um, I, I think from, you know, from his point of view, he should have, you know, hired a PR firm and just had them coach him to do as genuine right. uh, uh, an apology, as public apology as possible. I don't think it would have, like, alleviated the 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 vitriol against him completely, but I think it would help alleviate it to some extent. Um, here's the thing, John, like new Japan, like for good or for good or bad, they don't care because he's not been charged with any crime. He, you know, like what he's accused of is using his power and influence in, in the British wrestling community to blacklist uh, a female wrestler who accused his best friend of, of sexual assault of rape. And, and that's, you know, on the surface, surface of that, that's disgusting. I, I, I'm not, I'm not someone who agrees with that. On the other hand, like, you know, people in the Brit Rest community who are closer to this story than I am, 
I think like the ones that who the, those voices that I respect, they they all said like, yeah, it's 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 a unethical and it's a very bad look for him. But he didn't do anything to warrant him from being banned from wrestling in general. And that's the thing. He's never been charged with a crime. He didn't do anything to embarrass the company in Japan. So why you why people are in uproar like not, I, I'm, I understand why people are angry about it, but like, if you were expecting New Japan to do anything but bring him back, I'm sorry, like that's really you know kind of being delusional, for lack of a better word. Uh, in Japan, I don't think any, I don't think many people care. I think those fans who can follow English and are aware of this, you know, aren't aren't too happy about it. But for the most part, I'm going to say 75 to 80 percent of the Japanese fans aren't aware of it, and you know, they're, they don't want to be aware of it. They only care what happens in Japan, I think. So, um, one of my, one of my Twitter friends who does a lot of Japanese to English translations, Karen, uh, Karen Peterson, she put up this thread on, on Twitter about how like some of like the people who are very vehement against Osprey are, are now starting to harass Japanese fans on Twitter and Instagram, like about him and about speaking out in general. And I just feel like if you, if you want to vent your anger, and, and please do so, but do it, do it towards New Japan. They have like contact information where you can email them as fans and, and you know express any concerns you have. And I think that's the kind of thing that you should be doing instead of like going after Japanese fans for liking something that Will Ospreay posts either on Twitter or on Instagram. Yeah, I, I think so, and that's where I, I think like a, a lot of fans are left with like what like wh- what are you left to to think about it? Because like really like let's be honest like that. That story, I pending any more that that comes out, any other details that are revealed, like what is known, um, is the the one company, the IWL group that did produce the emails from a third party that was initially asking for Pollyanna to be off the show, but not directly from Osprey, who for his part had denied that part, and he was apologizing over uh, the tweet he put out a number of years ago at first dismissing her accusations and taking that back so like that's what's out there and it's kind of left with the audience to sort and say hey am i comfortable with this do i understand what all of this is and go from there because it's not going to be the companies taking those measures like it's just for for a story like that they're not going to be stopping using him over that so it's that's kind of where it's left and i think with a lot of these stories that are out there it's it's kind of left with, well, what's what's your comfort level? When someone sh- shows back up on television, like where is your comfort level? That's where I feel we're at with a lot of these performers because it's not, hey, this happened and this is the punishment and then you are brought back in. It's like there aren't those kinds of measures that we've seen. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of problems with, you know, certain wrestlers that wrestle for the WB with AEW. Um, and New Japan, you know, it's not like Osprey's the only one. Like there were the things that happened during, you know, Elkin's time in New Japan, like the controversies he's had, and you know, like and some other people have been kind of, you know, accused not have a big spotlight in them, but you know, that currently work for the company. But it, it is what it is. I I don't know what like I I I just do, you know, my quote unquote job and talk about the matches like. We can talk about the you know surrounding situations to some degree, but at the end of the day, it's not really up to us. I think it's up to the fans. If you are feel that strongly about it, like please contact 
you know, New Japan or her or RevPro or whoever and just express your concerns like in a, in a, you know, in a measured way, in calm, measured way and, and, and go from there. Uh, looking ahead at the B block side. Uh, so on Sunday show, we have Tetsuya Naito and Hiroshi Tanahashi reigniting uh, that feud from uh, back in 2017 where they had their, their series of matches, which actually coincided with all the shows that uh, they did Wrestle Kingdom and Dominion underneath Omega and Okada. And some people forget Tanahashi. And I remember at Wrestle Kingdom watching that Naito Tanahashi match. I'm like, well, there you go. Nothing's stopping that. And then Okada and Omega came out and, uh, I don't know how that that first match uh, holds up in your memory, uh, WH. Of what, uh, Tanahashi Naito or Omega Okada? I guess either one. Um, I think I like Tanahashi Naito more, but you know, I gotta say, like when when you know Kenny became a heavyweight and entered his first G one, I was more into him as a wrestler then because he shed the the whole cleaner stuff that I was not a fan of, and then. And then this is before he becomes a champion and he complete, complete, becomes a complete goofball. And so I like that part where he's chasing the title is, is like my favorite era of Kenny Omega as a wrestler and as a performer in New Japan. And then anything before that, I completely hate. Anything after that, I completely hate uh, as far as his character goes. But I'm going to say probably I like the Okada Omega match because I, I just think it, it took wrestling to a different level in some in some ways. More than like Tanahashi and Naito is like it's expected that they're going to have great chemistry with each other. So this block, I think it's much more wide open. Uh, you can certainly look at Tanahashi and do, do you ride out that story again? Or do you open things up to some of these others that are in here? And I look at Evil and I'm not necessarily thinking Evil's going to win the B block. But I do feel this guy's going to like get out to that really hot start and go undefeated for a significant portion. I think he has to be booked very strong coming off that title loss. Cause I, I didn't think that title loss did him any favors uh, that title run to be uh, exact. And this G one, like you can see evil is one of their chosen guys that I think he's going to have to be one of the main players in this block. Well, his first three matches are against Zack Sabre jr. Yoshihashi and Toriano. And I can see him winning all three of those. Um, he needs to. I think. I don't think it hurts Zach to lose to Evil. Um, but yeah, like Evil, like people say, oh, the booking of Evil hurt him. He had his too short a raid. But look, here's the thing: he had like he had a chance to like just step up his game. But you know, the booking does him no favors having Dick Togo out there and him using his you know bullshit interference with and, and using foreign objects all the time in his matches doesn't help. But he he just wrestled very plottingly and like it was really boring to watch. Oh yeah. Matches. This was not just on like new Japan missing with this guy. Like it was, it, it was a combination. Like I, I I'm with you. He, he would not have been my, uh, ch- the, the guy I would have chosen for such a big step up, but I mean, they committed to him and I don't see them just, uh, you know, dropping him because it didn't click immediately. I think they just double down and will go hard with him, but you're right. Like he, to me did not, um, he did not demand that kind of attention for those that were critics of him winning the title to begin with. And the fourth match he's going to have in the tournament is against Kenta. That's one I think can go either way. Right. So, but the first three, he should win. Uh, who, wh- where are you looking at for, 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 for this block? That's, tough. That's a tough one, John. I mean, the, the big story would be for the finals. If I'm picking a to win the A block, then 
I think the person who should win the B block to complete their story is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Should he and, lose this match to Naito on on Sunday? If he's I, winning, if he's ultimately winning uh, the B block. Well, if he beats Naito, then they can set up a title match before. Yeah, which I would say then you almost don't need to win the G1 at that point if he beats Naito this this Sunday. Or you could do both. He beats Naito and wins the tournament, but it almost seems uh, redundant to do both. But that's a pretty important match that they're putting in like the first night of the block. But I don't I don't see who else. Like, I mean, I didn't think Jay White was going to go all the way to the finals last year. And, and then that happened. But who else? I guess I don't see Evil going to the finals. Kenta maybe Zack Sabre Jr. No, the only other possibility outside of Tanahashi to me is is Sonata, and yeah. that's that's entirely possible. So it could be Sonata, but I, I would go with Tanahashi, and then he, you know, like he he beats, you know, he goes to the B Block Finals, and I don't, he could still have the match. He can continue that story. I don't know, John. I mean. I'm never good at picking these things, so I could be completely wrong. The B block's like- really hard. The B block is very hard to to me this year. I mean, Tanahashi's just kind of the your your go to, but if you're not going Tanahashi and you're looking at other options, um, I I do feel Sonata has the opportunity. It, because I don't think people are looking at the B block and setting their expectation. Like, there, there's going to be some good matches, maybe some very good matches, but I don't think anyone is putting this in the realm of the A block. And if a Sonata goes out there and just puts his like working shoes on and has some blow away performances with these opponents, he could really put a big spotlight on himself, uh, just in terms of not even winning the block, but being that guy that can kind of carry this block where Tanahashi and Naito are that much older. And, you know, you're looking for who's going to be that guy that steps up. And I could see Sonata, like, this is really put up or shut up time if you're a Sonata to have that solid start to finish consistent performances. And, and who better to start it off with than Toriano on Sunday? That's right. <laughs> They they have a they have an oddly good chemistry that produces amusing matches. I will say that about Sonata and, and Toriana. So nineteen shows. Uh, Way and I are going to be doing shows after each one of these uh, G one cards. Maybe at some point we will uh, we will contact uh, Mister W H Park to uh, pop by. Uh, but those will be available for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Six bucks a month, you get access to all of these bonus shows starting next Saturday. So, John, uh, John, if people like want to listen to those, I'm I'm retiring the sandwich ratings, and I'm I'm introducing. If I get on the show with you guys, I'm going to introduce the pasta ratings. The pasta ratings. Oh my goodness! Well, you just guaranteed you have to come on now for at least one show with the pasta ratings. And and people sign up. I'm not I'm not revealing these pasta ratings. On, on Twitter until after the whole G1 is finished. So if you want to hear about the pasta ratings, you have to hear an audio form on possibly at least one show that John and Way are going to do reviewing the G1 Climax. All right. Uh, we have a lot to discuss. So let us, uh, let, let's stay in the, uh, in the topic of tournaments because as we speak today, the Champion Carnival kicked off. Uh, this we have, it's a, 10-man tournament uh, broken up into two blocks, and uh, we kicked things off earlier today uh, with two A-block matches, two B-block matches. We had, uh, do you want to go over uh, the results? And did, did you see any of today's show? I, I didn't catch them. I, I got the results. But so, spoiler alert for everyone who hasn't seen this show, and if you want to, you don't want to be spoiled, please skip the next, I don't know, five minutes or so. 
But the, the results were uh, my favorite wrestler in all Japan, Jiro Ikiman Kurushio, taking on Jake Lee. Jake Lee, thankfully, defeated this jobber in 8 minutes and 34 seconds. Uh, Suwama took on the beefy Kumarashi, and he beat him in four minutes. Four, in less than four minutes. I was, I was laughing when I saw that result. Uh, in B-Block, Shuji Ishikawa took on Yuma Aoyagi. Shuji won. He defeated Aoyagi in eight minutes. And the main event was Kento Miyahara taking on Yoshitatsu. And I guess this is, you know, like maybe Yoshitatsu is the spoiler of this tournament. He defeats Kento in 21 minutes and 52 seconds. I, I don't know how excited I am to see 21 minutes of Yoshitatsu, John. And he won with the Yoshitatsu pandemic. Jesus Christ. Uh, so that's, uh, those were the, uh, opening results. So, uh, it's, uh, your, your man, Kurashio in the A block with Zeus, Suwama, Jake Lee, and Kumar Rashi. And then the B blocks got Shotaro Oshino, Yoshitatsu, Kento Miyahara, Shuji Ishikawa, and Yuma Aoyagi. Of course, Suwama in the A block is your triple crown champion. And, you know, we're also going to talk about the, the N1 victory tournament that Noah is running. Do you think that it's a disadvantage to be running at the same time as the G1? Or do you think that it's in a weird way piggybacking off of the G1 that somehow they'll get more attention? Or is it just forcing people to pick what you're going to follow? Well, you know, I said before, John, that you know, a lot of people in Japan are either fans of one company or the other. You You, you rarely get crossover fans. So I don't think it really matters that they're running concurrently i think for for people like us that it's it's a difficult thing to keep up with all these tournaments um so for you know the the streaming number numbers i think it's it's a bad idea but for the live gate i don't think it really matters because they're kind of running in in different cities and the such so it's not that big of a deal in my opinion um would i mean like that's the thing is like this is the only time they could have run these tournaments i Mm -hmm. i think because that's why they're all doing it at this time is like in late August, September and October. So maybe the thing is like these venues are open to them and they feel the pandemic was under control enough in Japan to be able to travel a bit further out than, than they would normally. Like most of the time they're staying within Tokyo. But I mean, the thing is the new Japan is just like going all across Japan. Like that's the thing I'm concerned most about with the, with the G1 is like how, how, how far and widespread they're traveling because they, you know, exponentially increase the risk of infection spreading to them and to their fans so yeah we, we had 482 fans at today's all japan show in nagoya so um so that is kind of a what where they're running in front of and this will run through october the 5th where they'll be at core q and hall with the finals um what, what what do you think is uh any way you're leaning in uh towards who comes out of this? Uh, uh, we we just did the Shotaro Shino match because I would have he would have been a candidate for me, but uh, maybe they revisit that and do another match. But um, any other thoughts on potential winners? I think A block is, is Jake Lee's block. I think mm-hmm. he's the one who has the most potential. Like you know, Suwama's already the champion. I don't think they're going to let Suwama run the table and, and become the G one uh, the champion carnival champion along with being the triple crown champion. Zeus and they're ha- they're having a match on Tuesday. Yeah, and Zeus is, you know, just Zeus is there now. I think he's slotted as a mid-card guy, tag team wrestler. Jiro, come on. Like, no. Unless you're, like, really, like, fucking high or something like that. Who I don't know anyone's picking Jiro. Uh, Kumarashi, he's just he's just an out- freelancer, like, mid-card guy. So, like, to me, it's, it's the opportunity to push Jake. Finally, maybe this is his chance to get over that hurdle and become a main event player. So I'm going to say 
Jake is the A block winner. B block is a little bit more tougher to decide because I do think you can use the Champion Carnival to reheat Shitaro Ishino. And he's mm-hmm. someone I'm very, very high on. I think they're high on. And I think he's eventually going to become have a run with the Triple Crown title. Um, but you can't discount Kento Mirahara. Like, like he's like Okada. Like he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been champion for a while. And I think that's been good for the company and it's been good for him. But I can't see him not being the champion for very much longer. So like it could be he's the B block winner. He beats Jake. I I wouldn't do that. I would have Jake win the whole thing. I would have him challenge Suwama. And then I would have him win the title from Suwama. And then he has a lengthy run, which builds towards a match towards Kento Miyahara. And then you have, you have that kind of Kento, you know, like Misawa Kawada dynamic between Miyahara and Jake Lee, kind of. And so, like, it has to be a point where Jake Lee has to have a chance to finally defeat Kento Miyahara in a Triple Crown match where he, where he is defending the title. is is just as good as if he wins the title. So I think that's the direction I would go in. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of current All Japan booking, to be quite honest with you. I think they kind of, like, have messed up Ashino to some degree and uh, Yuma Aoyagi as well. So we shall see where that goes. But Jake Lee's my pick overall, Jack. Yeah, I could see uh, that's a very compelling argument to do Lee and Miyahara in the finals. I, I like the idea, too, of if you were to go with Jake Lee and throw in, like, Aoyagi into the final, and it's almost like, here are our next level of guys. Like you have your, your kind of big three in Suwama, Ishikawa and Miyahara. And here are the two guys that are on the heels of those big three to graduate to that level as well. So I'm with you. I think Jake Lee is like as solid a pick uh, to win this whole thing. So I fully expect Yoshitatsu to be the man we're talking about October 5th. Exactly. <laughs> or, or fucking Jiro. Jesus Christ. Well, there you go. It's a dream match scenario in the, uh, the finals. Maybe there, those are the two that are on the cusp of uh, stardom. I mean, the thing is, you know, you look at the last two um, cards, so September 21st and uh, September 26th, it's like Jake Lee versus Kumarashi. Like, that's just going to be his, you know, getting points there. Suwama versus Zeus, but, you know, it's Kento versus Yuma Aoyagi. So, you know, if Yuma's, like, you know, pointing high, this could be the match that decides whether he goes into the B-block final. So you could be right here, but the other match is Shitaro Shino versus Shuji Shikawa, so you have like a very interesting dynamic in the B block. A block, I think, is just you know, it's Jake, and then B block is where it gets really interesting, especially on the the twenty first show, and then the twenty sixth show is Zeus versus Jake Lee, so Zeus could spoil Jake, um, and then uh, Miyahara versus Ishikawa could go either way, and then yeah, Yoshitatsu versus Shotaro Ishino. I I expect Ishino to possibly win that, so it's interesting. The last two matches, the last two cards are very very interesting for B block. Then you got a big gap. You got nine days before the finals for the uh, the winners to recover from this tour and then have a big match at Cork, Ewan. Yeah, I I, I think that's uh, that's good. Give let them rest. It's going to be a tough tour. Well, that will be the slogan of Kazushi Sakuraba because he's part of this NOAA N one Victory Tournament. This starts uh, next Saturday, uh, September the eighteenth. Uh, we've got or Friday the 18th. Uh, it runs through October the 11th. Uh, we have the A Block, Go Shiozaki, your GHC champion, Kaito Kiyomiya, who's coming off a decisive loss to the Great Muda in 2020, Masa Kitamiya, Manabu Soya, Masaki Mochizuki, and Sakuraba. I'm yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping Sakuraba uh... lasts this tour. This is going to be uh, quite the the toll this man's going to put on his body. 
Well, he's one half of the GHC Tag Team Champions, John. I know. With, uh, with I know. Uh, Takashi Segura. So, uh, he, yeah, you know, he didn't look that great in that match, I felt. In fact, I thought that match was kind of boring, but it, it went long. Can I just say, recent Noah is just dry as a bone. I, I am not enjoying watching Noah shows these days. Like, the matches themselves could be good, but the atmosphere is just so boring, so dull. It's a slog to go watch through Noah. So, I have to say, I'm not, I'm going to watch as much as the the N1 as I can, but I'm I'm not really looking forward to it, John. Uh, just rounding out here, the, the B block has Keno, Marfuji, Sagira, Katsuhiko Nakajima, Shuhei Tanaguchi, and Yoshiki Inomura. Um, yeah, this is one that to me, it's going to be the tournament that is going to be the hardest to follow. Like I, I want to catch as much of the, of the carnival as I can, uh, but with G1 overlapping with this, uh, I, ca- I can't say... I'll be catching a whole ton of Noah unless there's like some blow away match that you recommend. I don't know if that's going to happen. Like I look at these blocks, John, and like there's nothing like oh, A block is so much better than B block. I think they're they're pretty even and they're not that exciting to me. Like and also like recent booking, especially of like Katsuhiko Nakajima, has been really perplexing. So he joined Congo, led by Keno, who's the guy who beat him by knocking him out and taking his national title. He turned on. His longtime, you know, partner Goshizaki. They so they dissolved Axis, which like boggles my mind because it's like it's like a cottage industry within No itself, John. Like they, there's autograph signings, they're they're like their photo books do very well for Noah. So it's like, well, we just throw that money into the fire to have Nakajima become a heel and join Congo with all these people that hate him. <laughs> and Congo is a faction full of losers. You know, they always lose, John. So I I don't know. Why the fuck are you going to put Nakajima in this faction when they just create his own new one or something like that? But that that's, you know, that's Nosawa Rangai, who we're going to get to a little bit later in other news. But, yeah, I, I'll follow it as, as closely as I can. But I, I got to say that I'm probably going to fall asleep during most of these matches. Well, I know what you're anticipating, and that is the formation and launch of Great. That's right. Or... You know, people might be confused because it's spelled with an L. Isn't it Gleet? No, it's 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 great. And, you know, so this is like Let Dead Entertainment that used to be the parent company of Pro Wrestling Noah before they sold them to a, to a cyber agent. Um, so I just get with the spelling, John. Great is spelled with an L because it's playing on that whole mixing of R's and L's in the Japanese language. So if you have an R, R if you have an R in the word, you're going to probably pronounce it L if you're Japanese and vice versa with the L sound. So it's also L stands for Ledet. So if you see it and you say Gleet, it's it's not Gleet. It's it's great. It's a little confusing. I don't know if that was the best my, choice for a name. My, my but... rule, my rule is that if you need multiple sentences to explain the, the name of your promotion might not be the best name for a promotion, but I digress. Um, yeah, they have four board members, and they are Kiyoshi Tamura, Nosawa Rangai, I don't know why, uh, Kaz Hayashi, and Riki Joshi, which is kind of a motley crew of people from, you know, pro wrestling in, Jap- in Japan. R- Riki Joshi, just anything that's a startup. This, ma- this man finds his way to, to that company to get in on the ground floor of something. Yeah, and, and like, Nosawa is like kind of this cockroach that, you know, just won't die in, in Japanese wrestling. I'm hoping something's going to happen to like just get him out of like any wrestling that I want to watch. But there you go. So so Tamara is the executive director of this company. Rangai is the chief strategy officer, which seems like the worst idea 
to to deal with a line a startup uh, has, has what, what has a strategy we're we're coming off a pandemic let's start off a live oh, event business i know so so dumb hayashi is the chief technical officer i don't know what that means and and choshu is an observer so i guess he's become the dave melter of, of japan <laughs> yes well maybe he could have got some advice about this uh this group i i don't mean to downplay this but it just seems like this is I mean, come on. How, how much uh, benefit of the doubt do you get for a startup company at this particular time period of all time? Like in, in the best of times, I would be looking at this like this is going to be a long shot to be a successful company. But now I just the, on the surface, this one has me very puzzled. It comes across more like kind of a, a sub brand of Noah. And we're going to talk about their first call called Great Version Zero. That's going to happen on October 15th in, in Cork and Hall. So that card is Kazashi versus Nosawa Rangai. Jesus Christ. Uh, Kazushi, uh, uh, Kazuki Okubo and uh, Takanori Ito, who's one of their new signees. Uh, he used to be in Wrestle 1. They're going to ta- take on Masakatsu Funaki and Minoru Tanaka, which is a hell of a team uh, there. Uh, there's a Joshi match. Uh, Shuri uh, is going to take on Yu. Uh, Daisuke Sekimoto, Jun Nakayama, and Shuhei Taniguchi are going to take on Kazuyuki Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Takashi Sugiera, which is, just sounds like a big train wreck, but I, I feel like I'm compelled to gonna go watch that. Maybe they're going to have a, a staring contest between Akiyama and Fujita for a whole hour before they have the actual match, John. And then the, the main event is uh, Keno taking on uh, another one of their signees, uh, Soma Watanabe, who used to be uh, Pegasaro Luminato, Luminar in, um, in Russell 1. So they're kind of Another company that's kind of picking up the bones of the, you know, the now defunct Russell One uh, roster. So it looks interesting. A lot of these things are going to have like a UWF feel. That's what they're saying. Um, we'll see. I, I, but- I like that it's five. I like that it's five matches. Uh, but then again, circling back to our chief strategy officer, um, is the best day to launch this the day of the G1 finals? No. It, it, there's no great day to launch this, John. I mean, it's it's going to fail. I mean, it's a monthly show. I think it's like it's like it's a, it's, it's a monthly show. They're gonna have one card in a small venue. Okay, that's fine. Who, who's going? But like, you know, these small venues, John, they pack them in. It's disgusting. You know, like these small indie shows. And they, and I look at the shows, and it's like there's no social distancing. There's no ventilation. It's probably in a fucking basement. No vaccine. No WH. You know, and I think that's that's true for a lot of other wrestling fans. No vaccine. No no me. To go to these, especially these shows that have, you know, like you're just in like some small building with no ventilation. Well, we will see if they are great or if they are average or if they exist a year from now. We will find out. Um, <laughs> how about uh, Assemble? Okay, so Assemble is kind of like this uh, Joshi Wrestling super group. So on August 27th, uh, uh, legendary Joshi wrestler Akira Hokotu announced that uh, Women's Pro Wrestling Assemble would be created for a number of potions to work together and help one another out during this, you know, pandemic. Because, like, I think a lot of these companies are, are have been suffering some, you know, economic loss during, you know, the shutdown and stuff like that. Um, so the promotions involved. These are really interesting names involved in this in this mm-hmm. group, John. It's Stardom, Ice Ribbon, Pure J, Oz Academy, Sendai Girls, Marvelous, Seed Ring. Pressing Wave and, and Hearts, which is a new Joshi group starring um, uh, Yumiko Hara, a leg- another legendary Joshi wrestler. The big thing that for me was like the involvement of Stardom, because usually they're kind of an isolationist group, and you know, 
know, they, they're backed by, of course, Bushi Road. But they've got heat with Ice Ribbon over, like, Julia jumping uh, jumping ship from Ice Ribbon to Stardom and how that was done. So there's heat there. There's heat with Seed Ring because of, you know, you know, you know, Seed Ring is run by uh, Arsene Nakajima, who used to be one of the founders of Stardom, but she left after the Yoshiko incidents, and Yoshiko works for Seed Ring. So there's always been kind of like this simmering feud between them and, and Rossio Gawa and, and Stardom as a whole. So it's interesting that they're putting these kind of differences aside to come together. Um, so the idea is that they're going to put joint shows together. There's not going to be intermingling of the promotions. So each promotion will offer uh, a match of their roster fighting each other. So you're not going to see Stardom versus Seed Ring. You're not going to see Wave versus Sendai Girls or anything like that. And they're going to have a show October 1st in uh, Tokyo's Ueno Park. And uh, Wave, Ice Ribbon, and Stardom aren't participating on this show. Uh, Pure J, uh, they're offering the match Leon and Raideen Hagane versus Manami Katsu and uh, Mari Manji. Marvelous is offering Takumi Iroha, their big star, and Rin Katakura and Maria versus Mio Momono, uh, Mikoto Shindo, and Mei Hoshizuki. Uh, Sendai Girls will see Meiko Satomura and Dash Chizako and Yurika Oka taking on the team of Shihiro Hashimoto, Manami, and Natsuho Kaneko, and Seed uh, Ring, Yoshiko, and Honori Hana versus Arisa Nakajima and Riko Kaiju. Uh, Oz Academy, Mayumi Ozaki, and Sariano taking on Sonoko Kato and Akino. And there's a freelancers match that they haven't announced, but I assume it'll be... Uh, uh, a freelance wrestler by the name of Asuka, not to be confused with WWE's Asuka, but who's a kind of a big name in the freelancer world of Joshi, promo- Joshi wrestling here in Japan. So I expect it to be a match involving her. Uh, well, that takes us over to uh, Stardom, who, I mean, they've had a lot of issues over the past month when it comes to uh, COVID-19. And they had to uh, they had to cancel both those uh, back-to-back Yokohama shows and have... You know, it really put a, a stop to their five-star Grand Prix that they have now restarted, and they're actually doing two shows today in Fukuoka. They were doing an afternoon show and an evening show, and man, uh, feeling like these uh, having like the schedule that even the Young Lions won't have to have during the G1. Some of these having to work double duty. Well, I mean, they tend to usually have like double shot shows on the same day in like some of the cities farther away from, from Tokyo. So it's not, it's not something that they're not used to. It, it's very common to see that on, on the start of tour schedule. So it's not that big of a deal. They have to kind of double up on the, the mismatches that they had because of the, you know, the cancellations of the Yokohama shows. So in that regard, yeah, they have to, they're working. Some of these, some of the people on the roster are working a little bit harder than others. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it really does show you like the preventive measures that they've put in, like just the the concern of anyone uh, being diagnosed that I mean, it was they canceled shows, they canceled multiple shows. I mean, it was none of this just trying to get around because we have a tournament to book. Um, I I think that kind of tells you um, what, you know, was probably a Bushy Road call and you know, we look at the G1, like it should not be out of the realm of possibility that if there is an issue, we, we could see a show or a series of shows fall apart if there's any kind of threat. I don't think it's going to be a case of a company just, oh, we're we're just going to hope for the best and we'll take this person off the card. And no, they'll stop the whole show, I think. Well, I mean, fortunately, they only have two more shows left tomorrow 
uh, on the, the 13th in Fukuoka. So they're, they're staying in the same city. And then the finals will be uh, on the uh, the 19th at Cork and Hall. So, you know, they just have to get through these next two shows. And I'm sure they've been told, please do not go out drinking, you know, just go home after the shows and just, you know, st- or just stay in a bubble with each other is probably the, the, the directive they've been given from Bushi Road. Like, and that's the thing is like, you know, they, they, they have to like take these preventive measures because they're under the same umbrella that New Japan is. And if, you know, Bushi Road is going to treat New Japan differently than stardom, it's, it doesn't look good. And especially in terms of protocol for the pandemic. Um, in terms of the, the Grand Prix, how much of it have you gotten, gotten to uh, follow? Not much. I've, I've seen just in hold the, the, the first night, which was really great. I thought the Julia Mayu Itani match there was just fantastic, but Very good I've been hearing, I, I've been, I've been hearing like a lot of good things. Like, uh, you know, like if you, let, let me, we just go through the standing. So currently as of, uh, as of today's results, uh, Mayu Itani is at four points. Uh, Julia is at six. Tom Nakano is at six. Konami is at six. So there's kind of a three-way race for, for second place there. Starlight Kid, two points. Uh, Saya Kamitani, who's one of the rookies, who's getting a push in Queen's Quest. She's at three points. Uh, Death uh, Yone-sama, uh, you know, uh, zero. But, you know, she's a comedy wrestler. I don't expect the, much from her. But the, I think the big surprise in Red Star's block is Himeka, who's a member of uh, Donna Del Mundo, who's kind of a new signee. She's at nine points, John. Like this is a huge push for her. Yeah, I mean they're they're putting a lot behind her uh, in this in this tournament for sure with the with this group that they. I mean they they have really like Donna Del Mundo has now kind of emerged as like the the key group that they're building things around with with Julia at the helm. Yeah, I, I think I get the feeling like uh, Himeka and, and like Tam Nakano are kind of going to be pushed to fill the void left by and the tragic death of Hana Kimura, but also mm-hmm. like the retirement of Arisa Hoshiki. So, you know, to me, like, I think it, it seems clear that, you know, Himeka is going to be the one who's going to win the Red Stars block and go into the finals. In, in Blue Stars block, we have Momo Watanabe at six points. Uh, Utami Hayashishida, she's leading the block with eight points. Junko Kiona is at six. Azumi is at four. Natsuko Tora is at four. Saeeda is zero. Uh, Shuri Kondo is four. And Micah is also at four. So here, like you're seeing what I expected is the push of Utami Hayashishida. And then I, I can see Momo possibly catching up to her, but I think the finals is likely to be Utami Hayashishida versus Himeka. So kind of a battle of the power wrestlers of stardom. Also uh, on some of these cards the, in the non-tournament matches, uh, this is where uh, Riho has been working as well while she's stuck in Japan during this whole period. Yeah, so she's working usually there, or she's working in her home promotion of Gato Move. But I don't know if they're doing too many st- too many shows with Gato Move recently, just because like they're also in this kind of you know small space, and they can't really you know bring too many people in there as well. But they have been running shows here and there. So like for her, it's good to just you know keep wrestling with with Stardom, and like she's also someone I think if they can, they they will try to sign her at some point. But you know like. I, I expect like Bushiro to just make these big moves. Like they're just want Starm to become a big thing. I think when the pandemic is over, John, like you're going to see a huge push. Like maybe that's where you know our favorite pirate princess is going to show up in the in the near future. Could be, could be possible. You know, circling back to uh, New, New Japan, um, 
after uh, Rusev Miro uh, debuted in AEW, uh, it was Fightful that reported that in his deal, it includes the ability to do New Japan dates. And I, I find that really interesting that he he might be one that you would categorize as someone that maybe they can't get into the country now, but down the road, that, that option's there. Um, it, it, interesting to see how he would uh, figure into New Japan and where where this non-WWE run is going to go for the former Rusev. Is he going to wear his fucking pajamas? His Gucci pajamas on his Gucci New Japan pajamas? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Is he uh, maybe uh, over here he's the best man. Maybe maybe he wants to come over and be the greatest man if he hooks up with Ricky Choshu. Sure. I I don't know, John. All I see from that is if he comes in, I'm sure he'll do a completely different gimmick. If like like how Moxie's kind of different in yep. New Japan versus how he is in AEW. If if Rusev Miro, whatever you want to call, he wants to call himself, wants to come over. Sure, I I've, I was always very high on him in the WWE. I thought he was one of the most underutilized guys in that company, and I think he would fit really well in Japan. I'd, I'd rather see him in all Japan. I think his style would lend itself more there. But it also goes to this point, John, like New Japan is too reliant on foreigners. I really believe this. Like, like, look at all the other companies. They really haven't been affected too much with not being able to book foreigners, like whether it's NOAA, All Japan, Big Japan or Dragon Gate. They're all fine. It's New Japan that's had like the, the loss of quality because they rely too much on on foreign talent that can't come to the country if there's travel restrictions, whether it's a pandemic whether it's weather related, John, like I, I really think they need to get away from this and try to develop more homegrown talent or people who are going to stay in Japan, you know, not not fly back back and forth. I think that's kind of the way they have to go in the future. But, you know, here's my thing, John, like I don't understand why Tony Khan lets these people have these clauses. If he's all he's going to do later on at a press conference is complain, oh, yeah, Rusev and John Moxley were on that New Japan show. But when are we going to see Kuzuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi and, and Tomohiro Ishii on an AEW show? And then Tony's just going to be like, well, they won't let us have any of those guys because they're mean to me. So uh, and then they'll get complete fool. So I, I, I like Tony Khan overall. But when he does these things where he, where he complains about New Japan not sharing talent with him because he lets them go over there. Well, that's not their fault. That's your fault, Tony. Well, I think part of it is trying to throw that out there that, hey, we are willing to work with them, but it's not being reciprocated, believing that public pressure is going to affect New Japan that I don't feel it will. I think New Japan, it's, you know, present a case where it makes sense to them. And you could certainly lay out an argument where under normal circumstances, uh, a relationship could benefit both sides. But um, to, to your point about the foreigners, I think that Certainly, no one could have predicted this year where they wouldn't have access to all these foreigners for the past couple of months. And you couple that with the fact that Naito's a year older. Uh, You're looking at some of your talent. Like, to me, Okada, I don't know. He just, to me, has not gotten out of the blocks during this this whole pandemic period. To me, he's been – whether it's being lost in this whole King of Pro Wrestling crown deal – it's just to me, Okada has just felt like off with the lack of crowds as well. Tanahashi's a year older as well. And when it comes to building your new talent, um, the, the guy they chose in Evil hasn't really been a home run yet. And then, um, you know, your other talent you're building is uh, Master Wato. So I don't know if that investment has really paid off yet. Uh, that's probably never going to pay off. Because if, if you're going to actually push this guy, John, why not have him in? 
Taguchi win the IWP Junior Tag Titles. You know what I mean? I, I, I think you said the keyword never because the six man tag titles are about his ceiling with this gimmick. That, that's true. It's 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 depressing to see. I, I I've gotten past the anger stage, John, and I come to the acceptance and uh, depression part of of Master Wato. Well, uh, getting away from Master Wato, uh, you know, this is a big G one in that in that regard. That a month from now, I hope that there's several who have big big tournaments that are coming out of this that are that next level of guys. And you can you can always go to the tried and true ones of your Tanahashis, Okadas, Abushis, but it's also about who is who are that next core. Like we talk about all Japan, they've got like their big three, but in Ishikawa and Suama, like these are not young guys. Miyahara, yes, you can build everything around Miyahara for the next decade, but who are it like it's getting those Aoyagis and Jake Lees uh up to that same level and creating guys and not just relying on your your chosen few because it's going to come a point and I think we're seeing it with Naito. I think there's going to be a very tough G1 for for Naito physically. Um that that we've seen that just all this wear and tear it does catch up to you and you've got to adapt like Atanahashi has. And if you don't adapt, um it becomes very pronounced. I, I don't know why they didn't try to go after some of these Russell One guys. You know, like, I don't know why they didn't try to get Shitara Shino into the company. He would fit in perfectly. I'm glad he went to All Japan, personally. But, like, to me, not getting him or the recently signed to All Japan, Koji Doi, who's got great size, or Takanori Ito, who you could develop really well into, uh, you know, into a major talent, I think. Like, why aren't you... I think, like, depending on how the pandemic goes, like, I don't think we're going to be in this forever. I, I, I truly don't. But... At some point, New Japan's going to have to think about, like, we have to develop our young lines faster and get them to that next level quicker. So, like, they have Uemura, they have Suji, they can bring back the Great Okarn, probably, hopefully, under a different gimmick. Do something with Wato, like, change him back to more something, you know, being his real self. But they might have to start thinking about, like, talent rating. Like doing uh, pulling a WWE and just start looking at other companies, saying, we want this guy from Big Japan. He's perfect for us. We want this guy from Zero One. We want this guy from Noah, and they have the resources to do it. Like you know, like your contract's up, we're gonna give you this much money. Oh, yeah, you know, company loyalty does go very far in Japan, John. But at the end of the day, money talks and bullshit walks. Exclamation point from WH Park. Final uh, topic here is Dragon Gate show that they have next month. It's Masato Yoshino's twentieth anniversary of wrestling. Uh, he's not having a card to to celebrate any uh, uh, marriage. Uh, it's his marriage to pro wrestling. And it's going to be headlined by a six-way steel cage match that has quite the stakes attached to it. We we have Big R, Shimizu, BB Oh, Hulk. sorry, John. Sorry. sorry. That, his, 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 uh, his 20th anniversary show is on the 19th, and the uh, Dangerous Gate show is on the 21st. So... The main event of his anniversary oh, show is actually sorry. is is a is a is an eight man tag. It's the 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 red faction, real extreme diffusion. John, I still don't know what that means. Uh, Big Arshimizu, BB Hulk, Eita, who's the current uh, Open the Dream Gate champion, and Kaito Ishida. I think he's the the uh, he's the current Brave Gate champion. They're taking on Dragon Kid, Naruki Doi, Ultimo Dragon, and of course Masato Ishina, who represent the Toriyaman generation. That's that's his anniversary match. But the next day, September 20th, 21st at the Oda City General Gymnasium, where we were for uh, the uh, the Liga Retirement Show, John. Great uh, venue. Dra- Dragon Gate will have Dangerous Gate, topped off by one of the craziest uh, stipulated uh, 
take steel, ma- steel cage matches in the history of wrestling. Yes, this so, is the yeah the the six way that you can uh, you can take it away here with all that these competitors have to put on the line for the prestige of winning the steel cage. Yeah, first I just want to go through the undercard really quickly because I, I do sure. think this overall card is is just really loaded. Uh, so there's an open the Brave Gate Championship match. Champion Kaito Ishida will take on Yosuke Santa Maria. Uh, there's a tag match: Gamma, Ho Ho Lun, Kagatora, and Yasushi Kanda versus uh, Keisuke Okuda. Problem Dragon, Punch Tomonaga, and UT. Not the University of Toronto. Just that's his initials. Uh, <laughs> Don Fuji, Genki Horiguchi, Ryo Saito taking on Masaki Mochizuki, Shuji Kondo, and Ultimo Dragon. I kind of am very intrigued for that. That's a really good match for old, long-time uh, dra- uh, Toriyama and Dragon Gate fans. Uh, KZ will take on Naruki Doi. There is an Open the Triangle Championship match. Ben K, Dragon Dia, Strong Machine J, who is the son of Super Strong Machine. Uh, who just retired last year. They're the champions. They're taking on uh, the red team of Diamante, Kazuma Sakamoto, and Takashi Yoshida, the former Cyber Kong. Open the Twin Gate Championship. Jason Lee and Kota Minora, who are the champions, take on Dragon Kid and Susumu Yokozuka, which should be, that should be a great match. And of course, the Steel Cage Six-Way, Shimizu, BB Hulk, Eita, Kai, Masato Yoshino, and Yamato. So I'm going to go over the rules, John. So six, the six competitors will enter in order based on numbers that were drawn on the eight uh, of the August 12th show. We'll go in that. We'll talk about their, the order of entry. Uh, one and two will start the match. Number three will enter after five minutes. Number four enters after four minutes. And then five and six after enter after three minutes, uh, respectively. It's, there are escape rules. You can climb the cage. You have to grab a flag. There are five flags in total. Uh, there will be one flag added as each competitor enters the cage. So Jesus they're not Christ. there. At, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, there is a risk of having a small number of flags available as the flags are in play from the start of the match. So the order of entry. So <laughs> this the, is crazy. So oh, the, my God. The, why why is wrestling so complicated at times? Why oh, John, do we have flags? Why do we have flags? Dragging, this is a Dragon Gate staple. This is like they're, they do this every year. Every year they do this fucking cage match. So the the order of entry is uh, Big R, Kai, Yoshino, Hulk, Yamato, and Eita, who, as I said, is the Dreamgate champion. So each wrestler has stipulations for if they lose, John. So, so I'm going to go in order. Uh, so Kai, if he loses, he has to leave Dreamgate forever. Or, conse- uh, consequently, if he is the first to leave the cage, then he has to join red and he's like on the babyface team so he doesn't want to join red so those are his stipulations Ata, if he loses he has to leave red he has to join the dragon gate generation unit if he's not the first to escape he has to defend his title against any member of the dragon gate generation if he is the first to escape there's no penalty so that's his motivation to try to get out of there as quickly as possible uh Big R, if he loses, he has three stipulations on. He has to leave red, he has to get a crew cut, and he has to return to his real name of Ryotsu Shimizu. But the most important stipulation is not here, John. He has to get rid of those stupid fucking pants. So I'm really disappointed in his stipulations. No, he wants to repeat and have worse gear of 2020 from WH Park. So I don't know if that is an incentive to get rid of the pants. The award-winning pants. Not a good award, but award-winning nonetheless. This is, this is true. It's a good point. Uh, for Yoshino, if he loses, this is great, Jan. He has to retire immediately. 
immediately. Not tomorrow, immediately. He has to shave his head, and he has to have his retirement match against Naruki Doi, his long-term term rival and tag team partner, immediately following the cage match. So I, I'm thinking Yoshino's going to lose this this entire match. Uh, Yamato, if he loses, oh my god, this actually. I like I like that the head shaving is like the bridge between the retirement match and this cage match. You got to shave your head in between as well. Not at the end. That's not the peak of this stipulation. It's just to get you ready for the match. Exactly. So uh, for BB Hulk, if he loses, he has to go back to his real name of Terumasa Ishihara. Oh my he has God. to start his career from zero, so he has to become a young boy again, which I'm sure he would he would gladly love to do since his body's all broken up. And he has to join Mochizuki Jojo as a trainee, so that would mean like Masaki Mochizuki would just kick the shit out of him in, in like opening matches and, and the such. Uh, and Yamato actually has really good stipulations as well. If he loses, he has to do the opening talk segment with Mr. Kikuchi, uh, who I think is the ring announcer. He has to wear plain white trunks like, like you know like a just a you know young lion or something like that young guy in, in wrestling i'm reading the rest of this he has to use a bathrobe for his entrance gear instead of his regular uh you know entrance robe and the most important thing for him he has to straighten his hair okay. uh, that's not has that ever been done a straighten your hair match that is a new that's the new level Listen, John, you've seen Yamato's hair. It's this has these beautiful curls oh, it's, in it. It's like, wonderful. And, and so, like, for him to straighten it out, I'm sure is, like, the most frightening thing. Like, he wears white trunks anyways. It's not that big of a deal. And maybe he's going to save money on, like, not having to clear his entrance rope by just using a bathrobe. But it's got to be straightening his hair. That's going to be the thing that, that breaks him if oh. he loses this match. So Man, I guess Ken- I guess you're when, interested when Kenny in Omega when Kenny Omega hears about the stipulation. I mean that that could be the big blow off match with him and the Hangman. It's like loser gives up. Uh, Hangman has to give up alcohol. Kenny has to straighten his hair. The, the young bucks have to get rid of all their tassels. Yes, and and wrestle in bathrobes. That's right. Okay, I can see I, you doing that. I, I I do not follow Dragon Gate uh, with any kind of consistency. I promise you I'm going to watch this match because you have totally sold me on this in the last five minutes. There's no way I can't watch this. This sounds phenomenal. And I've got the cheat sheet here from WH, which I think everyone needs to be able to follow what's going on in this match. From all the flags to multiple stipulations attached, um, I need to see this all come together. You know who's going to love this match if he watches it? It's Way. Way. This could be... I mean, he's his matches of the year so far. The candidates. This could be it with the Firefly Funhouse, the uh, the Goshiozaki Fujita match that I'm I'm totally in lockstep with him, or the Eyeball match. Yeah, I I mean, like if you you know if Yamato has to straighten his hair, you know that that might be it. That might be the the thing that puts it over for Way, and he's going to write a you know a 700 word essay on on postwrestling.com for it. Is this going to be like back when, you know, you'd have to do a, a head shaving gimmick where like the female audience members are going to be crying as he straightens his hair? That might happen. I think his, his, his curly locks are, are a big appeal for him for the, for the Dragon Gate female fans. Man. Well, that is not going to be taught by anything else uh, over this, this next month. It's going to be a very, very busy one. Uh, do, do you th- think that you're going to be following along with all of the G1 is that going to be your your primary viewing over the next month? No, my 
the thing I'm most excited about, John, is All Japan because I I am a big All Japan fan. So the the carnival is the thing that I have the most emotional investment in. The most like kind of you know my heart investment is in All Japan and the Champion Carnival. My my head investment is in the G1. Um, I'm not so I'm I'm excited to see what happens with the with the five star Grand Prix. It's it's wrapping up soon. So and I'm I'm really excited about like some of the pushes, some of the talents getting there. But the N1 is probably the lowest. Uh, you know, uh, on, on my totem pole of interest. So, but yeah, I will. I will watch all the G1 matches. I don't. I don't think I'm going to watch the Young Lion matches after. I think two of them. It's going to be like, okay, I I don't need to see these matches and just go to the, the just the tournament matches. And I love this shortened format. I hope they go through this, go, go to this in the future because I don't need all these undercard tag matches in the future. How about the the fall presentation for the G1 because it's it's very likely that this will be the uh the time of the year they run this next year as well with the olympics yeah i i i think it's better like this summer this august john it was so hot and humid it like i i avoided going out like until nighttime it was that uncomfortable like i only went out if i had to um i can't imagine being in tokyo like regardless of the pandemic john just the temperature alone like it would have made being in Tokyo just that much more unbearable than previous years. And I've been in Tokyo for the G1 finals. And I, I don't know, like, I, I'm just tired of <laughs> the summer here in general. But I think it's better. I think it's much more comfortable by the time the G1 wraps up. It should be a lot cooler in Japan. I, I think it's it's, it's, it's going to be better to, like, kind of keep doors open and, and windows open so you get better ventilation in some of these buildings. So we'll see what happens with that. You know, like Sumo Hall, I, I don't know. Like, you can open a lot of the doors and windows and just get that fresh air kind of blowing in it and mixed in with the air conditioners and, and that don't actually work in there. So that's a good thing. Um, I, I would like to see, like, it maybe shift to the fall. I think you have that. You close the gap between the, you know, the winner of the G1 challenging for the for the IWGP title in January. Like, that's, that's a positive of that. But, you know, New Japan is very you know, ingrained with their traditions. That's why, you know, Wrestle Kingdom is always January 4th. They'll never move that date. And I think the G1's going to revert back to, to August, like when there's no more pandemic and there's no more Olympics to contend with. Yeah, I think you, you run it where you can do the most, like sell the most tickets. And if the summer and fall are negligible in terms of that difference, I, I think there's a way better argument to do it now in the fall. For that reason, it bridges that gap. Uh, a beneficiary of it, it to me makes that power struggle card feel way more important because that's your big card to set up everything for, for Wrestle Kingdom and you're coming off the high of the G1 a month prior. And then you do the tag tournament in December, which for the rest of time is going to be a tournament that few care about. So um, you can keep that well, tradition going. Well, one note about the timing of like it being in August is that G1 usually – uh, the G1 finals used to co- coincide with the the traditional week-long Obon holiday in Japan. So you can draw more people to come to Japan from, from across within the country uh, to come to Tokyo to see the finals. And then that that's when a lot of other promotions piggyback along on the G1 finals to hold like big cards. It's, it's very much similar to what happens during Wrestle Kingdom week. Um, you see all these promotions piggyback off of that. But the, the, the benefit of going in the fall is that that's low season. So Oban is high season for traveling. It's the, one of the most expensive times to travel in Japan, whether you're in Japan itself or you're coming from other countries. If you move it to 
September, October, it's a lot cheaper to travel to for those dates just in Tokyo. But it's also going to be cheaper for, say, for you. If you want to ever come for the G1, you come during the fall. It's going to be way cheaper than coming in August. All right, everybody. We're going to sign off. Uh, WH and I will be back probably late October. We'll probably reconvene right after the G1. So that's when you can uh, look out for the next uh, post-pro-res. But I'm sure during uh, these 19 G1 shows, uh, I hope you can pop on for at least one of them uh, at some point so we can do a, a checkup on the G1 and just to chat with WH Park. The people can't go that long without you. And they don't have to because as well, you've got your thriving series, The Long and Winding Royal Road that has a monthly stop here at Post Wrestling. Yeah, we just dropped an episode last week with uh, JP Hulan talking about the legendary Masawa Jumbo Saruta match that, uh, you know, that propelled Masawa to that ace level that he would eventually reach. And uh, I guess I'll give a quick preview of the upcoming, uh, upcoming episode. Episode four is a special profile episode, John. It's a biography episode on Mitsuhara Masawa. I'm joined by uh, pro wrestling Noah and Mitsuhara Masawa expert Hisami. Um, who does a lot of the English translations for for, for Pro Wrestling Noah in, for the English wrestling fans. Uh, she just knows so much, and it was an awesome interview to talk with her. And we, I learned a lot of things about Masawa that I did not know. So And so it's a great episode. It's, that sounds it's gonna, amazing. It's like a two-hour episode just about Masawa wow. from the time he was a child to the time of his to you know the time he left to form Noah and to his death. It's It's a great show. I can't wait for, for it to drop in uh, in October. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, October 4th, that one will drop. So a couple of weeks away, but definitely worth the wait. That's going to be a, an excellent, excellent episode uh, to check out. So uh, you can follow him, WHPark9. That is the number nine on Twitter. If you want to know any opinion, he's got it for you. So uh, check out WH Park and then monthly here with the long and winding Royal Road as well as post ProRes. So, uh, WH, thank you as always, and thank you to all of you for tuning in. Go to store.postwrestling.com, grab your t-shirt, and then make your picks. Postwrestling.com slash G1 deadline Friday night at midnight. Goodbye.